Big Buck Registries, Big Buck Podcast, episode number 29. Big Buck Registry is a virtual museum of hunting stories. We preserve a piece of Americana by interviewing and recording hunters about their hunts and experiences from across the country. And who knows, maybe we'll learn a thing or two along the way that'll help us take our hunt to the next level. Hi, I'm Amanda Lowry, finalist in the Extreme Hunters Contest. This is Boyd Barnett with Moultrie Products and the Moultrie Total Game Management Podcast. This is Dean Vanier with Northwoods Common Sense. This is Rob Lucas from Chasing Tail. Tim Moore from TimMoreOutdoors.com, the New Hampshire Seacoast Guide. This is Nathan Biggs with Brow Time Productions. You're listening to the Big, Big Buck, Buck Registries Big, Big Buck, Buck Podcast. Podcast. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Jay Scott, your host of the Big Buck Registries Big Buck Podcast. And this is uh, episode number 29. And I'm here with my good friend and field correspondent from Ohio, Dusty Phillips. Dusty, what's happening? What's happening, Jay? Not a whole lot down here in Ohio, you know. Uh, just got some great news about getting out to PA for the uh, up-and-coming show out there. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that. And I think that me and you are going to finally hook up to do some on-the-scene podcasting. Nice. Uh, now, what is the name of the show? It's a Great American Outdoors Awesome, and that's in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. That is and correct. We're gonna we're gonna make our appearance there and and uh, see if we can get everybody to learn who we are. So that's gonna be pretty cool. Did you know that this is episode number twenty nine? We're zeroing in on episode thirty. You know, I I do know that, and I know one thing: it's uh, it's been a fun journey. It has been tremendous. We're so young at this. But the connections and the things that we've learned along the way are tremendous. For sure. it's uh, It's been great. And, you know, we've got to give a shout out to the people we've had on. It's, uh, you know, thanks for joining us. That takes time out of your day. And uh, we really appreciate it. It takes a little gumption, too. It's not so easy just to, you know, get get on a microphone and or on a phone and, and know that you're being recorded. It's kind of intimidating in a sense. How did you feel the first time I interviewed you? You know, I, I, was, I was pretty nervous. Uh, but uh, you get over. First 10 minutes, yeah, it was a little shady. But after that, you know, you got an awesome host here, yeah, obviously you. Well, thank you. And, and now that uh, the co-host has joined you, that, that just makes it that much more awesome, you know. And, yeah. and people, I think people enjoy us. And that, that, that means a lot. You know, when you get on the phone or on an interview with somebody that you enjoy talking with, that makes the interview a whole lot better. Yeah. It's just about being yourself on uh, when you're on the phone or on Skype or whatever. It's just about being yourself. You can tell when we talk to a, a, a podcaster if they're um, actually a podcaster because they're, they're kind of used to that. And then you can tell the people that aren't, haven't done it very much at all. And they're a little nervous. Um, but tonight we've got a very interesting host or a guest, not a host. I'm a host. You're a host. Uh, we have a guest. A guest, uh, his name is Matt Lindsay. And Matt is from Obsessive Whitetail Disorder. And it is a made-up disorder that Matt has created. And it's about the, the passion that we all have for whitetail deer hunting. And he's created a Facebook page. And it was kind of funny because Matt came on and he, he wanted to do a share for share, which you and I get bombarded with um, day in, day out, which is fine because that's kind of this this thing that Facebook does. And it definitely helps you get some likes. I, yeah, for sure. I think that's good to get your name but out it, there. But it, I, I like it, to go further. It gives us leverage for, for uh, you know, getting somebody on a podcast for uh, you request share for share. You're going to get on the mic. Right. Exactly. So. 
I get so many of them, but I there are some that I just think need to be on the show. They stand out. They stand out a little bit. Um, some are just a share for share, um, but some they I want more information. I want to hear their story. And that's what we're going to do tonight. Yep. So um, let's uh, let's get Matt on. Let's do it. All right, Matt, welcome to the Big Buck Registry's Big Buck Podcast. Thanks for having me. Hey, man, we're psyched to have you. It's good to have a fellow hunter on the air again. And uh, we, we know you're a good deer hunter and uh, you're trying to do some good stuff with your website. So uh, we thought it was a good time to have you on. Well, I'm glad to be here. Cool, man. Welcome uh, aboard, Matt. Thank you. Now, tell us where you're from, Matt. Uh, New Berlin, Illinois, which is basically right in the center of the state. Center of Illinois. Gotcha. Yep, the center of Illinois. All right. And how far is it from Chicago? Uh, we are right at about 300 miles or so from Chicago. Okay, gotcha. And did you grow up in Illinois? I did. Yeah, I grew up right here in, in not New Berlin, but a little town called, well, actually in the country outside of Mechanicsburg, uh, which is about uh, 25 miles from where I'm at, 30 miles. Mechanicsburg, okay. And yep. What was, it, what was life like growing up in Illinois? Uh, you know, it's country life. I uh, worked on a farm uh, starting in about the sixth grade all the way till I graduated uh, out of school. Uh, best friend of mine's father owned a farm, and, and that's basically what we did. We played a lot of basketball, hung out in the outdoors a lot, and did a lot of work. So it was, uh, you know, pretty much the straight country life like most people think it is. Awesome. Sounds good. Sounds like that lifestyle might lead to some pretty good deer hunting. <laughs> Yeah, well, if anybody knows anything about Illinois, they've got a lot of big buck here, a lot of, lot of deer in, in general. That's what I heard. I, I've, I have not officially gone beyond the airport in Illinois, um, just flying through that kind of stuff. But someday, I hope to take a, a whole tour of the United States and probably stop in each state and hunt myself. I think that that's kind of like one of those lifetime goals. So someday, I'll be where you are. Yeah, well, Illinois is is one of the best states to hunt in. Uh, you know, Midwest, Corn Belt, Iowa, Illinois, they're, they're all great states to deer hunt in. Yep. So well, you're, you're a passionate deer hunter. Oh, absolutely. If anybody that knows me knows that deer hunting and hunting in general is on my mind 24, 7, 365. I mean, that's, that's, what I live to do. That's cool. And your mission statement on your Facebook page actually states that white yeah. white tailed deer twenty four seven three sixty five. Uh, yep. Tell us a little bit more about what that means to you. Uh, you know, it's it's uh it's just a matter of you know when even if if you know deer season is from in Illinois here, bow season starts October first and it goes out about the second week, third week, sometimes in January. Uh, even in the off season, uh, it doesn't matter if it's spring or summer. Uh, just driving any any time. I'm driving no matter what I'm doing, whether it's going to the timber or going to work or whatever it is. I mean, my eyes are constantly peeled and peeled and just looking for wildlife. And like I said, it's, it's on my mind constantly. It's about all I ever think about. Uh, I, you know, I don't, I guess I don't know how else to explain it. That's kind of where the, the Facebook page came from. There's a funny story behind that. I don't know if you guys want to get into that or not, but there well, is a funny yeah. story behind it. <laughs> the obsessive white tail disorder, most people don't know. Uh, it is exactly what it states. It, it is an obsession. Uh, a few buddies of mine, we were sitting at, at my property one night on the lane, and one of my buddies, we got to talking about deer hunting shows, and somebody, one, one of the guys had asked me, if you had a TV show, what would you call it? And it immediately popped in my head, and I said, OWD. And they said, well, what is OWD? And I said, well, you guys know what OCD is, correct? And they said, yeah. And I said, well, this is obsessive white tail disorder, and of course, 
with me all and started laughing. And uh, I don't know, about midway from 2013, I never really did anything in it of it that night. We kind of left and never really thought about it. And I thought, well, you know, it'd be kind of interesting to, to pop up a Facebook page and call it obsessive whitetail disorder and, and see if there would be anybody else out there that, I guess, suffers from what I'm suffering from because it literally <laughs> is <laughs> it is an obsession. I mean, I think about it constantly. Uh, Jay, I, think, I, I may have the same thing. God, you know, I, I think I have OWD. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because it's a very catchy phrase, and and people that are like me get it. They they understand it, and I guess if you're not into the deer hunting, then they may not click with you. But a lot of people get it, though. I've been trying to figure out what to call this disease I got, and I think I found it. I do like the name OWD. I think that's a that's a, it's unique and it it really explains a lot. I like that. Very nice, um, uh, Matt. Tell us. You said you developed the site from hanging out with a group of your your hunting buddies. Is is that who you were hanging out with at the time? Yeah, yeah. There was uh, two or three of us out of the property that I own, and to be honest with you, we were just hanging out. Gotcha. You know? Who are we the really doing a whole lot in Who are the cast of characters you were hanging out with that day? Uh, Carl Leonard and Brian Bentley, uh, a couple guys that, that hunt with me quite a bit. They uh, tell us about them a little bit. Where are they? They're from the area. The local boys. Yeah, or? yeah. Well, I uh, Carl. I, I've worked with Carl. Uh, I work at a Kenworth Bobo semi truck dealership, and him and I have worked together for the last twelve or thirteen years, and and we've been hunting together for every bit of that. And Brian Bentley is just a, a friend of mine that I've known for probably fifteen years. I've uh, been hunting on and off with him. He's a union electrician, and they're they're just like me. I mean, there's there's a lot of other guys that, that I hunt with. And they all seem to suffer from the same thing I do because they're constantly, you know, it's 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 every weekend we're out in the out in the timber doing something. Gotcha. Or if you can get disability for this this, uh... <laughs> <laughs> it'd be nice if you could. Yeah, I think I'm gonna check into that. <laughs> I would I would say you should submit some paperwork and just see if you can get it claimed and uh, it might actually scoot through. That would be excellent. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that's that's qualifications for social security disability in my eyes. I mean, yeah, I, I don't. There ain't no worse disease than what I've got. I'm yeah. sure there's people file for worse. So, Matt, tell us about the land that you own. You said you own some land, and that's where you hang out with your buddies, your deer hunting buddies. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's a funny story. Uh, my dad is actually the one that got me into deer hunting when I was about twelve over 13 years old and uh regretfully in 1996 he was struck with cancer and passed away and he had purchased this land in uh morgan county uh in 1989 he purchased it and he was a hunter himself he used to uh he was a traditional bow hunter he shot a longbow and when he passed he he left it to me and and i've had it ever since Gotcha. So an unfortunate circumstance, uh, but it's giving you some some true uh, loves of your life out there. Absolutely. Gotcha. Absolutely. That's pretty cool. Uh, tell us about your dad. He must have had some influence on your life growing up. Oh, he was uh, he was he was a great person. He uh, he worked at uh, IDOT for close to I think it was close to thirty years. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. He 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 basically anytime they went to to uh, draw up new roads, uh, he was on the architect side, he kind of went over the paperwork and, and looked at the road work to make sure everything was okay. But again, his passion was also uh, in, the, in the deer hunting and archery in general. Uh, he started off basically like a lot of people do in, in the compound bow, and that became fairly easy for him. So he decided to get into the traditional side of it. Started with recurves and ended up going into longbows. And he actually uh, he shot the longbow, but made all of his own strings. He uh, made all of his own arrows out of wooden dowel rods. Uh, 
uh, check spline. He's got a tool that he made to check the spline on the arrows. He basically did it all and uh, made his own quivers, put the brawl heads on, put the knocks on, put the fletching on, and uh, absolute dead-eye shot with longbow. He would shoot no matter what time of year, obviously not in the winter, but any time spring, summer, and fall, if he could get outside and shoot, he was shooting anywhere from three to five nights every seven days. So he was uh, he was pretty passionate about it, and he's the one that kind of got me into archery and uh, got me into bow hunting. Gotcha. So you would uh, you would credit him with pretty much all your outdoor knowledge at this point? Absolutely, absolutely, one hundred percent. Outdoor dads are good like that. There's no question. Oh yeah, they, I agree. They don't get no better. No, it really doesn't. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, I think every every kid, whether they're from a the city or, or the country, should at least have the opportunity to experience hunting to see if, if you know it's something they're going to enjoy or not. Because surprisingly, that most most kids do enjoy that. Absolutely, uh, I absolutely love taking my kids hunting, and I think they'll appreciate it down the road as I have appreciated oh, yeah. my father for taking me out. Um, it's just it's some of the best ex- memories I have, no question. Oh yeah, well you know if, 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 as as most people know, whether you're taking a kid or a buddy or a girlfriend or a wife that's never been it's there's there's so much more above and beyond just to kill when you're hunting uh it's just i don't know it's just unexplainable the time that you spend with somebody out in the outdoors is precious i mean it, it really is it's, it's yeah. good bonding time absolutely uh matt i on this land that you i assume that the deer that you submitted to the big buck registry is from the property that you hunt yes could you walk us through some of that hunt? I'm going to have Dusty kind of go through the details. I just texted Dusty a picture of the buck, and okay, and maybe you can walk through that with Dusty. Dusty, you want to take it from here? Yeah. I wish I could get that picture of the text you got, but I don't have it in front of me. Matt, tell us a little bit about uh, you know from from beginning to the end. We're going to walk through a, a hunt. Is this one of your most memorable hunts? Uh, yeah, it is because it's the largest buck that I've ever harvested to date. Yeah, I just got the picture of that. That's that's a really nice looking buck you got there for sure. Wow. Uh, did you get it scored by chance? I did. Well, I, we rough scored it ourselves. Uh, I did not get it officially scored, but I we can we can rough score just going off the Boone and Crockett scoring system. Uh, we rough scored it at one sixty four and two eighths. That's a nice one. Congratulations on a great buck for sure. Tell us about the day. What what was the weather conditions like whenever you? Uh when you hunted that buck well it's it's funny i uh we started set, i started setting trail cameras out probably in june and i've got somewhere between 12 and 15 trail cameras throughout different properties that i set and started running those and uh i come across uh we, we ended up naming that buck hercules by the way uh, <laughs> I, come I like, across I, that buck. <laughs> I like to i like you know it's crazy yeah. you say that because i love naming bucks that that, that yeah, that's my game yeah. jay will tell you well, that's something i do a ton of hercules showed up on a trail camera uh, about the second or third week into October when I had gone in to check. And I, and I, at that point, had made the decision. I hadn't even hunted the property yet. I was sneaking in, checking cameras and getting out. And due to some work schedule and some other items, I, I just hadn't made it to my property yet. So I came across that trail camera picture of Hercules. And at that point, I had decided that he was there. He was staying there. And I wanted him to stay there. So I decided to stay out of my property completely until the last week of October, as most people know that's when most big bucks uh, are on their feet and moving that last week October first week of November they start to get on their feet they start you know rubbing they start making their rounds and uh, I decided at that point last week October I would try and get in there uh, it just so happened that the last weekend in October I believe this year the weather uh, was was not right the wind direction wasn't right for the stand setup that I had so I stayed out and Lord have mercy don't let my work find out but I ended up calling in and using the sick day on Monday on uh, <laughs> I believe it was, I believe it was October, it was October 28th, I believe.
leave them for Monday. The, the, the disease uh, decided, that oh, I'm sorry. The, the disease that you have qualifies for some sick days. I'll tell you that straight <laughs> up. Well, OWD, after I saw the trail camera picture of Hercules, had really set in. So I had checked the weather uh, on my phone app and noticed that the wind direction was going to be out of the south, uh, which was a perfect setup. The, the, the weather itself, as far as precipitation, was gone. So the, the conditions were perfect for, for Monday. So I called in and decided to hunt that stand. Did you tell them that you had OWD that day when you called in? I did not, no. You I should have. I think everybody at work knows that I have that. <laughs> <laughs> you should have just said OWD's kicked in. I will not be in today. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think the boss would like that too much. But anyway, uh, the morning started off pretty slow uh, as as the year had been. A few does had come through uh, about 7 or 7.30 that morning, and I really hadn't seen another another deer one until about 9.30 in the morning. Uh, just so happened to be in the stand. Uh, 9.30 in the morning, I was looking back to the north, northwest. Nothing turned and looked back to the south, and here come Hercules uh, on a string. I mean, he was making his rounds, and he literally, uh, he walked right by the trail camera uh, that I had pictures of him on. And I actually have a trail camera picture about a minute before I shot him of his, I believe it was his left antler because he walked by the camera and it triggered and it took the picture of him. Uh, he come on through. I let him come. Of course, he was coming straight at me. I had no shot. Uh, he kind of 20 yards away, ended up perfect broadside. I actually shot the first time and I missed. I don't know if I hit a limb or if I just flat blew the shot, but I did miss. I don't I don't know him to tell people that and I don't normally miss, but I did miss on him. Maybe it was nerves. I don't know. <laughs> right. So uh, no, no, no better place than to tell that story on the Big Buck Registry podcast. <laughs> right. Sure. Let's, let's yeah. just say it. But yeah, they don't I'm normally like, miss. Right. We'll just tell the world. Well, well you know, most most people don't like to admit that they miss, but I will tell you that I just flat missed. Uh, I shot underneath him yep. uh, at 20 yards and I couldn't believe it. But as I'm sure most people know, the bows these days are extremely quiet, extremely fast. So he, he never even knew what happened. Uh, shot and missed at 20 yards and he continued on, uh, ended up giving me, I ended up stopping him again, uh, stopped him at 25 and a half yards, quarter and away shot, and, and just buried it right right in the pump station. So uh, that's, that's that was a, pretty much it. He, he went about 70 yards into a cornfield, and that's where he retired. Right. I'm, I'm going to back you up a little bit. We're going to break this hunt down. You talked okay. about you, you got a phone app. Can you tell us a little bit more about this phone app that you're using to check the conditions that you're staying? Uh, it's just a weather app. We get our, our local weather here is from AccuWeather, uh, A-C-C-U Weather. It comes out of Lincoln, and you can check, you know, obviously precipitation. You can check wind speed, uh, humidity levels. They'll tell you the, the barometric pressure, which, you know, a lot of people will tell you a lot of different things on uh, uh, barometric pressure, high or low, and bucks move in and out, you know. And, and and I'm not saying that that's not good information to have, but but after the 20 years plus of deer hunting that I've, that I've done, I can tell you that... If you want to kill a mature buck, the very first defense that obviously a deer has is is his nose. And if you're not playing the wind, you may as well just stay home. Right, for sure. What was the weather temperature that particular day? You remember? Uh, uh, I want to say it was it was it was fairly sunny. It was in the uh, mid to upper 40s, probably somewhere in there, maybe close to 50. Yeah, sounds like prime deer hunting weather for sure. Oh, it was it was gorgeous. It was it was a beautiful morning. So you got this monster buck. You've checked the weather. You've checked your trail cameras. He's coming in. You know he's in the area. What are you in a ladder stand? Climber? Hang on. Tell us what kind of stand setup that you're in. Uh, the stand that I actually have, uh, I've got six bucks mounted hanging on the wall, and all but one have come out of that stand. It's we call it, the name of that stand is the middle stand, just because that's uh, a long time ago. We used to have. Uh, 
three stands lined up on the east end of my property, one on the north, one in the middle, and one on the south, and, and we would hunt those stands according to the wind direction. And obviously, this is the one that was in the middle, so we just named it the middle stand. Uh, it is a it is not a ladder stand. It is a portable, but it is called a bushwhacker. Uh, uh a while back, several years ago, I decided that that tree that that stand was in when I was hunting a portable, uh, the stand was going to be there for a while. So I wanted to go and I wanted to purchase something with a larger platform because I knew that the stand was going to be in that tree for, for several years. Uh, so I went and bought a bushwhacker and the, the platform is, is, is not the traditional portable platform that's in a square or a rectangle shape. This stand actually has, it looks like a fan tail. Uh, it is a very large platform. The seat is not attached to the stand. It is actually a seat by itself that's strapped to the tree. Uh, so that's that's the stand setup. And climbing to get into it, it's it's anywhere from uh, probably somewhere around twenty two foot in the air. That's enough for sure. Uh, yeah. What, yeah. You out there? You, you've got your stand hung, and you know, obviously, you got some nice bucks. And I think next year I'm gonna claim the middle stand in Iowa. You don't mind, do you? <laughs> Come out and hunt your stand, killing five bucks. You know what the heck? But uh, yeah, you're you're in the middle stand. You know what, what kind of landscape are we talking here? We we in the field? You in hard timber? Tell us a little bit about uh, the no, terrain. We're, we're, we're in hard timber. It's uh. The land is, is basically laid out in an L shape. I do not own any of the tillables. Um, I own the timber only, and it's laid out in an L shape. So I'm basically, uh, I've got a 360 block to my east that another gentleman owns that uh, we've got a really good relationship together as far as, uh, you know, I shoot a buck on me, it runs on you. Do I have permission to go get it? Yes. Uh, and basically, if you can picture it, there's a 360 block to the east. There's my strip of timber that is in between it, and then there's another great big block to the west so that creates a funnel uh it's basically a hallway for those here to travel from one big block to the next uh to get from point a to point b they got to come through me how many acres are you on there uh, believe it or not, it is 19.73 acres, so it's not much, but it is it is a prime layout, and it is in a prime location. So it's right at, we call it the 20. We just rounded it up and made it 20 acres. Right. That's uh, something that, you know, a lot of our listeners think that it takes big acreage for, you know, really mature bucks, and that that's not correct. There's a lot of big Absolutely. monster bucks that's been shot on small acreage. Absolutely not. Uh, you know, one of the biggest keys to whether it's five acres or, or, or 500, uh, one of the keys to killing big deer obviously is play to win and low pressure and and it just so happens that i did both and it worked out for me i had stayed out of that timber the entire month of october uh, until the end just because i knew he was in there and it's such a small amount of acreage if we were in there you know continuously saturday and sunday and monday and, and kept hunting and kept hunting it's a very good chance we could have pushed him out and you push out a mature deer once or twice and they usually just don't come back yeah pressure they don't like the pressure you know and you're bringing up some great points, Matt. We, we want to break that down a little bit too here. Uh, you know, a lot of high pressure on mature whitetails will absolutely make them go scarce on your farm. And you know that that's uh, something that most hunters. Don't, it's another you know point that most hunters don't realize that pressure. You know, walking in and out of there, them seeing you every day, they're going to get used to it. But they're going out. They're they're also going to know the times that you come in and out, daylight, dark. They're they're going to realize that you're there in daylight hours and. Uh, not show up like you like them to you know that's a that's a great point the pressure there keep it out of your woods absolutely you know and, and then on top of the you know, it's not just the pressure it's scent that you're laying down you know when you're checking trail cameras uh there's a lot of guys that will go in and check trail cameras with leather boots and blue jeans and a t-shirt you know they're, they're, they're not scent free they just got off of work hey i'm gonna go run trail cameras and you just you can't do that you can't 
because you're laying down scent. Not only are you visibly putting pressure in, uh, you're laying scent down for him to come across, and, and it doesn't take much, you know, to, to take a mature buck like that to come across your scent once or twice, and, and he's going to know that something's not right, and he's he's going to find somewhere else to go. Yeah, and, uh, he's going to go somewhere that he feels safer. Tell us a little bit Absolutely. about your tell us a little bit about your gear that you go to the woods in. Give us a head to toe equipment check on on what you for one your your boots your your attire you know as far as your camouflage. Tell us what you're wearing, then we'll get into a little bit about your equipment as far as your bow and stuff. Uh, you know, I, I don't hunt, I don't hunt with anything out of the ordinary that anybody else that, that hunts, you know, it's real tree camouflage, it's a lacrosse rubber boots, uh, ball cap that I, you know, obviously I take everything I own down to my underwear, uh, and it, it all gets washed, scent free soap every single time before I go out. Uh, I've got a, uh, I've got a scent lock suit. I was not wearing that that day. Uh, there is, there, there is a good call for scent lock. I, I do believe it works. Uh, but if, if you can't afford scent lock, or, or you just don't believe in it. Uh, my dad hunted for years in, in, in blue jeans and a plaid shirt when the weather called for it. Uh, the whole objective, obviously, with, with camouflage is to break up your outline. You don't have to look like a tree. You just can't look like a giant blob standing 20 foot up in a tree. If a deer happens to look at you, you're just trying to break up your outline. Uh, so real tree camo, camouflage ball cap, lacrosse rubber boots. Uh, the bow that I was shooting is a Matthews Helium. Uh, I shot an AR, which is a uh, PSE spit is what that is i shot a, an ar for several years and another good story rolls into this uh my better half was was gracious enough two years ago to uh surprise me with an early christmas gift with the matthews helium bow that she had purchased unbeknownst to me uh, i came <laughs> home i came home one night uh I wouldn't tell work, she called, go ahead i wouldn't tell that to everybody you, you got a woman <laughs> you got a woman there no, buying you bows like that you know there's guys that come after women like that all right well i've been asked several times if she's got a sister that's available <laughs> <laughs> right on yeah you know, uh, does she yeah. no i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> so i come home she comes home she she opens up the hatch of her car or, or her vehicle and and there sits the box and, and i pulled it out and i said what's this and uh she said it's yours and i said uh well i don't need it because i knew at the time what what the bow cost and i just you know i just told her i said that there's nothing wrong with my old bow and i know what this one cost there, there's no sense in doing this and uh she said no she said it's it's an early Christmas gift, and I want you to be able to use it so it's yours. So I was gracious enough to get that and then uh, basically equipped it with an HHA uh, single-pin sight. Uh, I shot multi-pin sights on that uh, AR for years. Every every bow I've ever shot had a multi-pin sight, but I, I come to find out when I took the multi-pin sight off the AR and put it on this Matthews that the Matthews bow was... Uh, a lot faster than the AR had been shooting and to sight that in once I got it sighted in my 20, 30 and 40 yard pins were stacked on top of each other and I couldn't see so right. I made the switch to a <clears throat> single pin adjustable which I highly recommend the uh, the visibility through that sight is, is phenomenal it, it really is uh, shooting a stop release, uh, finger trigger, not a thumb, index finger release. Uh, shooting carbon arrows with a 100 grain uh, Rage two blade broadhead, uh, short veins. Did you and, get the Rage uh, in the cage? I tell you what, I was a uh, I was a little skeptical about four or five years ago. I made the switch to a mechanical blade because everybody had heard horror stories about the uh, mechanical blade not opening when they hit the deer, and uh, the Rage came out, and I decided, well, I'll try these and see what happens and i can tell you honestly to date that i have shot several deer with the rage two blades 100 grain broadhead and i've uh i've recovered every single one i've ever shot so you got a you got a heck of a combination there you've got the owd 
and a rage in the cage. Uh, <laughs> you're on to something, man. You you got it going it. on there. I know it. Jay, what kind of questions you got for Matt? All right, Matt, where, where do you want to take OWD? Boy, if I had an answer for that question, I would have answered it several times. Uh, I've, when I created this page and created OWD, the, the very first question that most people ask me is, what is it? And uh, to this day, I can tell you, I, I'm not sure what it is. Uh, where would I like to take it? Well, you know, I've got the, the princess dream or the fairy dream that, hey, you know what? If I could hunt for a living, I would. Uh, why? Because it's my passion. It's what I love. Uh, if, I, I don't want to get rich over it. I'm not looking for money. Uh, by any means, this, this whole thing evolve uh, basically just to get people on the page that are just like me that love to deer hunt they have a passion for it they like talking about it they like seeing them uh, check stations went away several years ago in Illinois and, and I, I hated to see that because one of the things I can remember with my dad is is going to a check station and, and for those people that don't know what a check station is when you shot a deer back in the day uh, you did not call that deer in like you do now and get a number over the phone and write the number on the tag and then you take it home you actually physically had to deer in the truck with the tag on it and you had to go to a check station and there were people there that checked your deer in physically and uh you know hanging out at the check station and seeing all the deer that, that people would bring in the big bucks or the does or whatever that was all part of it uh so they did away with that but uh owd you know i don't know where it was i've got some apparel that i've come up with i drew up a logo uh slapped it on a shirt printed some up people love them and like i said it's, it's not a scam or a scheme to get rich it's just for those people that that have it I mean, you know, it, it's I, I don't care if I'm wearing a, a Browning shirt or an OWD shirt or anything with a beer on it. And as long as it, it's got something to do with the outdoors, I'm usually I'm usually sporting it. So uh, the end result with OWD, yeah, if I you know if I could get a, a big company involved and, and they wanted to get in and and we could take it somewhere, we've been trying to do a little filming with a GoPro this year, trying to get some some films. I wish I'd have had it. I actually had the uh, the GoPro with me the day I shot Hercules, but the I had it on a head strap and I don't know if anybody's ever tried a head strap but you can only put those on for a couple hours before the tension from the head strap starts to get uncomfortable and i had taken the gopro off mm-hmm. and was hanging on the hook where the backpack is and then when hercules came in the last thing i was thinking about was grabbing the gopro i was focused on him gotcha so gotcha i, I know when dusty's not skateboarding um he likes to take his gopro uh, with them in, in the field. Uh, they're, they're a pretty awesome camera. Yeah. Skateboarding. You got, yeah, oh, man. You got me figured out on that one. Yeah, it'd be like so, a know, cow we're, on we're, ice with me on a skateboard. <laughs> a skateboard. Where'd you come up with that at? I don't know. It just came in my head. Uh, <laughs> I can. Uh, where, I guess. I guess to answer the question, where OWD ends up, I, I don't know. You know, would I like it to to get bigger? Obviously, I mean that's that's the end all to end all that that everybody loves it and everybody gets involved and and everybody's happy and everybody gets talked about hunting and, yeah. and gets to wear OWD apparel. So well, I get you know right now I just have to see where it goes. You hear that, Dusty? Matt has T-shirts. I do. Yeah, Matt, I don't I'm, know. I'm getting ready to join you on the T-shirt club, actually. <laughs> I actually a uh, funny story to lead into it with the uh, with the shirts. I don't, have you guys ever heard of Shields? Yes, I, I have got not. hooked up with a uh, a buddy of mine that was the is the head of security. We just got a Shields here in Springfield a couple of years ago, and uh, a buddy of mine is the head of security over there. And I just happened to hit him up one day when this whole T-shirt bit started, and I started, and I asked him, I said, "What you know? What's what's the chances that that Shields would would be interested in putting some OWD shirts inside the store for sale?" Hmm. And uh, he said, "Well, I don't know, but I can find out." Well, long story short, I ended up getting hooked up with 
with a with a guy over there at Shields, showed him what I had, and they are currently inside Shields for sale for anybody that would like to purchase them. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's pretty pretty humbling when you when you have an idea come in your head. You uh, I actually drew up the logo myself, uh, put it on a piece of paper. It ends up on a shirt, and and a big company like that bites on it, and they show an interest in it. It it, it really makes you feel warm and tingly, I guess, inside that that somebody shows an interest in what you've got. Yeah. Yeah, Matt, when you first uh, you sent in a, you asked for a share for share on our Facebook page, and yeah. I get yep. I get bombarded with those things, and Dusty does too on Chubby Tines, and it's um I, I like to take the share for share and turn it into something that's a little deeper than just a, a click of a button. And that's why I asked you to be on the show today, is because I know you had something good here. And that it was good to get it out there and explain it in a little more depth than than just posting it on Facebook. So I'm glad you came on because I think it really got to the the heart of what you're all about and what you're you're trying to do over there. And even if you don't really have a clear direction yet, the passion is coming through, and that's that's the key to this whole thing. Absolutely. You know the the, the share for share is as as I'm sure anybody in the social media knows, it's extremely hard to get any kind of exposure when you live in a town of a thousand people or fifteen hundred people in New Berlin. Uh, you know, I've got stickers on my truck that hey hunt us down on Facebook and and it's just a matter of trying to build an audience and getting out to trying to reach other hunters and and that's the reason for the share for share I, I don't know any other way to do it I'm not going to claim to be the, the most intelligent person person with the social network and and I didn't even know what a share for share was until somebody asked me what it was and and I thought well that that would work and I just started getting in, on Facebook and tried to find other hunting pages that, that would have hunters involved that, that may end up liking uh, to talk about deer. And, and it's not just deer. It's I mean, we hunt everything. We hunt, we're getting ready to probably go out this weekend and try to put smack down on a few coyotes. And, and then that'll roll into spring turkey season. Right. And then, you know, food plops and, and whatnot. Right. Yeah. And I think Dusty and I can relate to what you're trying to do is we're kind of doing the same thing. And I think the, the more we stick together, the, be- the better off we're all going to be in the end. So that's great. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. For sure. This is a big learning curve. You know, I, I come from a small farm community and uh, Farmersville, Ohio, and it, I'm going to put it on the map. You know, one day there's going to be a big warehouse here for Chubby Tines Outdoors and along with Big Buck Registry is going to be right beside me. But, uh, you know, as we go, we learn, we figure things out and uh, try to make the next best move for ourselves. Yep, exactly. And Jay, Jay and I definitely, we, we, we feel you and we definitely wish you the best of luck at everything you do with your page and what you got going on there. And uh, your disease is definitely contagious and you're not the only one. Well, I, I appreciate the time and, and, and having me on for the interview. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's always fun to talk to other people about what you're passionate about. And, and I can talk, anybody that knows me knows I talk for hours about myself. Awesome. That, that's, we, uh, we feel you, you know, that's why there's a big buck registry, big buck podcast. You know, we, we can talk big bucks for hours, for days, oh, months, absolutely. years. Absolutely. We could do it. <laughs> I've been doing it for years. So yep. it's like, uh, it's, it's like hanging around on the porch at deer camp. Just never ends. That's awesome. It is. Well, it Matt, is. Yeah. Lots of, good, lots of good times. Matt, I'll, I will send you the post of the podcast as soon as it's released. It'll be out this Saturday and, uh, you can okay. sh- share it with your community on your page and we'll, uh, we'll obviously be sharing it on ours as well. And, okay. Uh, well, very good. We'll spread the word for you. Okay. Well, I, I, again, I, I thank you guys for, for having me and thanks for the time. All right, Matt. Take care, man. Thanks. Okay. Have a good too. one. All right. Bye-bye. All righty. Well, that was pretty cool talking to Matt. For sure. Obsessive Whitetail Disorder. That's his the name of his Facebook page. It's facebook.com forward slash obsessive dash whitetail dash disorder. I feel him. Yep. I mean, I'm glad it, it kind of, for a second there, I thought it was like a disease, but it's really not a disease. It's a disorder. 
something that you could correct, but I don't want to correct it because if, if loving whitetail hunting and everything that goes with it is wrong, I don't want to be right. Yeah, I, I feel you. You know, there's nothing better. Absolutely. Um, so the next up, um, we have another guest from Texas. Now, I'm going to actually play this for you, Dusty. This is one I did the other day when you're out shopping for for tires. I think you had to head down to someplace on Craigslist or something, right? You had a uh, some tires for your Jeep. Yeah, actually, uh, picking up some new skins for the, uh, put some new shoes on the old Jeeper. Nice. So I'm going to play for you the interview that I did with Bonnie Cook. Bonnie submitted a, a nice whitetail that she shot um, down in Texas and kind of tells us some stories about how she ended up at that property she was at. And, you know, sometimes you'd spend a lot of time out in the woods and you and you hike and you hunt hard. And But now and then it's just a matter of being in the right place at the right time. And that's the story that Bonnie's going to share with us tonight. Awesome. I am from East Texas. Okay. Um, uh, close to Tyler. Tyler, Texas. Got it. Okay. And did you grow up there? I did. Born and raised here in East Texas. All right. And how old are you, Bonnie? I am 41. 41. Very nice. Um, what was it like growing up in, in that part of the country? I grew up very country, very rural. Uh, Tyler's about the biggest city close to us. It's about 25 miles away. So where I'm at, we I live in a town of about 1,100 people and went to a school where kindergarten through 12th grades in like one building. So yep. <laughs> it's pretty small. So it was been wonderful. Uh, I grew up rodeoing with my mom and we had horses and I started barrel racing when I was about three. Uh, my dad had nothing to do with horses. He had everything to do with motorcycles, three wheelers, four wheelers, dirt bikes, all drag race and all of that. So I had the best of both worlds. So I grew up doing a little bit of everything. So uh, drag racing, racing three wheelers, four wheelers, and rodeoing, so wow, had the best of both worlds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you make a living at the rodeo? Uh, no, not anymore. I used to um, do play days and stuff like that, but uh, then I got out of it for several years, and I just started team roping again, and uh, which is pretty awesome, and can make some money at that, but uh, mostly it's just a hobby and uh, fun stuff to do. But I still ride quite a bit, and still love to hunt and fish and all of that like my daddy raised me doing so gotcha. kind of still do all of that stuff so hunting and fishing was an integral part of your growing up basically very very much so i wish i had a dollar for every hour i've been on the river or or hunting either one so uh yeah daddy we used to trot line and fish and uh, fishing on the river and fishing in the lake. And he taught me how to ski when I was about nine. He threw me out of the boat and said, ski back or drown. And so gotcha. we grew up hunting and fishing and doing all that with my dad. So my mom liked to hunt too. She, she was more of a bird hunter okay. and liked to do the trapping and stuff like that. But I didn't get into that very much, the bird stuff. I was more deer hunting for me. Awesome. Um, I think it's so cool when you integrate the outdoors into your life. It's just, uh, it's, makes you a better person somehow totally 100 percent agree with that <laughs> so tell us the, the you sent in a big deer that you had shot and you sent into the the facebook page that we have and being a hunter uh, i'd like to go through some of the the prep work that you put into your your hunts um you don't just walk upon those types of deer all the time but i have this feeling you're you're kind of a successful hunter, and the deer that you sent in uh, is the kind of buck that you don't just um, randomly come upon usually. I mean, obviously, there's that one one in a hundred chance that you might, but um, tell us what you do to prep for your, your hunts. 
Actually, this one was pretty much a one of one of one in a lifetime hunt. <laughs> he right. wasn't. Um, I don't normally hunt at this place I was at. I usually hunt about fifteen minutes from here uh, towards Palestine, kind of a little bit farther farther south from my house, and and that's where my sand is. And I've been out there and put corn out and cleared lanes and done all that. But I was invited to this place here to hunt, mm. and uh, with a friend of mine and. Uh, she was like, well, her dad was like, you can hunt my old sand. He's like, I don't ever hunt down there anymore. And actually, I think the feeder is empty. There's feeder down there, but it's empty, and I, I don't hunt down there anymore. He said, but you're welcome. I was staying up there with him for the weekend. We were just camping, and he's like, you can go sit in my sand if you want. I was like, okay. So I went and sat in his stand, and I was watching over to the right. It was like a big, huge open field, probably a 40-acre field, uh, like a hay meadow. Okay. And, but it had a thick timber line like all the way on two sides of it and I was near that corner and the feeder was kind of in that corner down there but like I said it has been empty for a long time they didn't even use it anymore so um, I just went out there at, like I got to the stand at like 345 in the afternoon and uh, I didn't even go hunting that morning we rode around on the four-wheeler and looked at stuff and just killing time around the deer lease and and um, so that afternoon I was like let's go sit in that stand so I went out there about, like I said about 345 and four o'clock, I'm sitting there and I see something move out in my periphery on my left side. And I looked over there pretty quick and I saw a tree moving, pretty good sized tree. And I was like, oh my gosh, there is a big buck over there or a big hog, one or the other, because we have lots of hogs too. Right, right. And, I, and so I sit there and I couldn't see anything. So I got my binoculars and I looked through there and I, I could see horns. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's a buck over there. And right. I was like, wow. So, I mean, this, I'd been in the stand 10 minutes, maybe 10, 15 minutes. So the, you got in at 345 and you're starting to see big buck activity around at, 350, at four o'clock. Right. Uh, yeah. Who, right at four o'clock. Were you hunting with anybody? Yes. The, the girl, the son, I mean, the dad that let me come hunt in the stand, it was his daughter. She's 17. She came and sat down there with me. Just like I said, we'd been running around on full wheelers and stuff all day she said i'll go sit out there with you so so she was with me and okay. she took a picture of me shortly before that like with my ipod of me and my stand with my gun and i had it like aimed out the window because i pulled up my scope and uh, she took a picture of me and i wish i would have had her put it on video and videotape it but right I, we didn't we thought about that you know hindsight later so uh but anyway i saw movement and i was like oh wow so i got my binoculars and i saw him I saw horn, and then um, I saw him move, and I could see his body, and and um, I kept looking, and he was standing behind this big, huge oak tree. I could see his horn sticking out one side, but didn't ever get to his body really. And I sat there and watched him and watched him. He was eating leaves off the tree mm-hmm. and just kind of wandering around. He wasn't chasing a doe. He was by himself. Okay, how far and away was I, he at this point? This was probably about 125 yards, 150 yards. Okay. And the, the sh- I didn't have my rangefinder with me, so I didn't know exactly, but it okay. was a good 125, 150 yards. And could you just describe the, the hunt setup a little bit, uh, a little bit more from where you were in your tree stand to where he was? What was between you two? That open field. Just an and, open field. And like the, yeah, an open field. The deer stand, it was actually a big blind. It was up about mm, seven foot off the ground, and it okay. was a box blind. And, um, had, it was green camouflage netting around the, you know, the opening. So, and like it had been there years. Some of the boards were rotten. <laughs> it was kind of falling down. Oh, and, wow. and so, yeah, it was, it wasn't like, you know, big fancy stand, but I didn't care. To me, 
any hour in a deer stand, I don't care if I see anything but squirrels and crows. It's just being out there, you know. So I was like, heck yeah, I'll go sit in the stand. And I wasn't expecting to see anything. So, okay. Uh, what about the weather? So yeah. Weather itself. Was I'm sorry. It, what was the weather like? It was probably 55, 58 degrees that day. Sunshine, beautiful day. It was gorgeous. And um, it was the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday. Yep. And um, I was like, I'm not going shopping. I want to go to Deer Lease. <laughs> All of you know, friends and family are like, let's go shopping. No, I'm going to Deer Lease. So, um, so, yeah, it was Black Friday and the weather was just, it couldn't have been any prettier. So. Gotcha. All right. So let's, um, before we get to the kill shot, and so you've mm-hmm. spotted this deer. He's across mm-hmm. the field by about 125 yards. Let's run mm-hmm. through an equipment check, head to toe. Mm-hmm. What are you carrying with you? I have my binoculars with me and Leopold and I have, I didn't have my range finder with me. I have a Leopold range finder, but I didn't have it with me that time. And, um, I had, um, just trying to think of what else I had with me equipment wise other than my gun, but my gun is a Savage 243 that I've had probably 20 to 23 years. And I got it shortly out of high school. So I've had it a long time. And, um, that was my gun. And, and like I said, my, my binoculars, I think that's all I had with me a bottle of water. Cause I, like I said, I wasn't planning on really hunting with, I mean, I had my tags and my knife in the truck and stuff, which was, I could see the truck maybe, you know, 100 yards from me. Two, no, it was more like 200 yards from me, the other direction of the stand. So. Okay. So you had your truck, uh, about a couple hundred yards the opposite direction. Yeah. Right. The, the deer in front of you had your tree stand between your truck and the deer. Yeah. Actually, yeah, pretty close. Okay. Yeah. The, the truck was kind of behind me and the deer was two miles in front of me. Okay. To the left a little bit. But basically, you're carrying, you're packing light. You're, you're, uh, you don't have to go that far. The truck's pretty nearby. So you don't have to, you know, right. it's not like you're hiking it in too far. Right. You're, it's just kind of no, a it was comfortable walking hunt. across the field. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. Just walking across that field. And I just had my, uh, like at the end, Under Armour shirt on and, and my Under Armour jacket, you know, so it was, and, um, right. I had my coveralls with me just in case it got cold because I was going to say they're a little dark, you know, and I was like, that sun goes down, it's going to start dropping down in the 40s and 30s. So I had my coveralls with me. Right. But so, uh, I was sitting on them, I didn't have them on. So a pretty mild day overall. Um, oh, yeah. Did you do any uh, scent preparation or or preparation for like washing clothes or anything like that by the, when, when you got there? I don't do that at all. I've heard pros and cons about it, and I used to do that, you know, wash it in baking soda and wash all mm-hmm. of that. But I grew up hunting with my dad, and we would just go out in the woods, and I'd lean up against a tree, and, and you know, or we actually hunted. You know, we didn't have stands and feeders when I grew up hunting. I started when I was like probably eight with him. And so I just, I mean, and I saw daddy kill several deer with none of that. So I just grew up okay. to, I don't, you know, to where I don't feel like all that stuff has to be done. And, and a lot of people do or and need it or whatever. And I don't know, I, I see the pros and cons to it. Yeah, so. I, I'm always curious only because, mm-hmm. you know, there are lots of products on the market. Um, you hear stories about people that are uh, prepping their clothes and, and being super conscious about scent control. And mm-hmm. the, they say it on TV. Um, but then I've talked to these other people that don't do anything about that. That, and they still seem exactly. to shoot the same amount of deer. So I'm trying to get an an overall broad scope as I talk to more and more people about whether it's truly important or not. And uh, right. it's just interesting to, to hear different people's perspective. Um, right. As far as the wh- what direction was the wind blowing? Do you remember? Can I back up? Can I back up one second Absolutely. right there yeah. about the about the scent stuff? 
some people I know will smoke cigarettes in the sand. And it's like, right. you can smell a cigarette a mile away if you don't smoke. And I'm sure a deer can smell it. And, you know, they, they smoke in the sand or dip. And, you know, it's like, if you, if they can't smell body sense, how are they, how are these people that hunt and, I mean, that dip and smoke in the sand killing big bucks too? You know, it's like, to me, right. so, you know, you know, you see what I'm saying there? It's like, but if you're bow hunting and you're six, eight feet, 10 feet off the ground and, you know, you're, you've got to have your buck within, 15 yards of it, yeah, I, I would be more conscious of scent control and stuff like that. But um, I don't generally hunt from a tree stand like that. I used to. I used to have a climbing stand and just kind of got away from them now. I'll just go out in the woods and I've got a ground blind that I'll get in, you know, out there at my other deer lease. But, and I'm more conscious of stuff and I don't do all the washing of the stuff like I used to. Cool. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> okay, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so tell us about the, the wind direction then. If Was that blowing in your face or what What direction was the deer at? In, in I was, he was, um, let me think. He was to my to the west of me, and we had a northern wind that day. So I was actually he was almost straight across from me, due west. And like I said, the wind was coming from my north, from my side, going south. So I don't think he would have caught wind of me anyway, just from where he was, right. you know, straight across from me, gotcha. you know, 125 yards out. So it wasn't like I was downwind. And if I would have been the wind was coming out of the north, like I said, the, there was nothing but 40 acres of open field to my left, you know, to blowing south. So they would have had to have been out in that open wind for them to get, I mean, open range for them to get wind at me. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So we've we've set the stage here. Now bring us back mm-hmm. to where we left off. <laughs> um, you're in your stand. You've spotted the deer. It's behind a giant oak tree and you can mm-hmm. see antlers. Where take us right. Take us from that point. Okay, I can see antlers, and like I said, he was eating some leaves off some trees and wasn't in a hurry. wasn't I kept seeing if he was like looking around to, you know, for does or if there were another buck with him. But the rut had just started here, so it wasn't like they were in full rut yet. But I didn't know if the bachelors had kind of split off yet, so I didn't know what was moving. So I'm sitting there watching him, and he finally steps out, and I could see his body, and I saw, like I said, his antlers. Not real clear because there were several trees between us. Well, then he turns away and starts walking away from me back into the woods deeper, and I'm like, dang. I'm like, oh, I lost him because that was on another property. That wasn't the lease that I was on, so I wasn't gonna, I couldn't have shot him anyway because he was across the fence. Right. So there was fence line there. So I was like, okay. So I put my binoculars down, and I kind of just look it around to the right, and uh, I'd hunted in this stand before, and I'd seen a coyote, and um, I was kind of looking for the coyote. I was like, that coyote comes back. I'm going to take that coyote and get him mounted. And um, so I was kind of looking for the coyote, and I just thought that deer just went back in the woods. So I'm sitting there, and I look back around to where that deer was had had been and he was standing out in the open field he like went around and came back and jumped the fence and came out in the open field and i was like oh my gosh mm. <laughs> i was i couldn't believe it you know so that's when i got my gun up and i was looking through my scope and he was actually headed south away from the feeder because the feeder was kind of north um west of me and he was headed away from the feeder, so I don't think he even knew the feeder was there or had been in this territory or knew anything about it or, you know, the feeder had been empty so long he never used it or whatever. So he was headed south, kind of at a diagonal away from me. And um <clears throat> I never saw him head on, so I could never tell, you know, we have the 13-inch rule down here now. I don't know if y'all have that now. They have to have at least 13-inch spread. And is that a state rule or a county rule or just a... I, I, that's what I did. I don't know. Um, okay. I know it's... I, I think it's a state, uh, Texas. So. Okay. 
um, I know it's county, the county I was in, but I think it's state. It has to be 13 inches, or most of the counties around here anyway. We have a minimum 13-inch spread. So okay. I never saw him from straight on. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, do I shoot? Oh, my gosh, do I shoot? And I'm looking through my scope. He never would turn and look at me. And I whistled because I didn't have a grunt or anything with me. And he, I don't know if the wind was blowing and he didn't hear me. <laughs> and he just kept on walking. And just kind of easing along. It wasn't like he was scared or anything. And anyway, I, that was when the girl took the picture of me. And um, so I sat there, and I was sitting on the edge of my chair, kind of leaned out. <laughs> so I thought I was going to fall out of my chair. I had my hand up in the windowsill holding my gun. And um, I was kind of shaking, and I was like, <sighs> you know, I was like getting buck fever, I guess. And I'm like, Bonnie, breathe, <laughs> right, breathe, right. breathe. So um, well, I took a deep breath and I just exhaled. And when I exhaled and got down to where my breath was gone, I squeezed slightly, squeezed my trigger, and he dropped like a rock. He never took another step. So wow. I was like, and then as soon as he dropped, I turned around and looked at her and I was like, oh my gosh. And my legs and my hands started shaking so bad. <laughs> it was so awesome. And um, I wish you'd have had, like when I said, I wish you'd have had a video because it was it was really cool. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I sat there and he never moved, never flinched anything. So I waited, just, you know, five ten minutes. I was like, he's down, he's done, and about ten minutes probably. And um, I went down there and um, perfect long shot, and um, went up to the truck and. I was just so excited. Oh, uh, and she started taking, she said, here, let me get a picture. So she took several pictures of me, and that's one of the pictures that uh, that she had seen. Yep. And um, so we took several pictures, and then I started, I was sweating, because <laughs> I guess my adrenaline was up, and I'm, so I'm taking my jacket off, and I have just my underarm and shirt on. And, um, so, and then she took a few more pictures, so it looked like we were having a photo shoot out there. <laughs> so... It was pretty awesome, though. Um, I was really proud of him. And uh, anyway, we went. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, you're doing great. The uh, okay. The, the backdrop is beautiful in the in this in the scenery. I can kind of now that you've told us the story, I can envision um, yep. where you were and how it was set up. And the was the deer in approximately the same spot where you shot it as you where you took the picture. Yes, that was exactly where he dropped. Gotcha. All yeah. right. So, yeah, I never moved him, so I just went down there and sat down beside him, and we took pictures right there where he dropped. That's awesome. That's why I like to hear the story behind the picture. You know, there's uh, a picture is always worth a thousand words. I like to hear them. I like to hear the words behind the picture, and now, mm-hmm. I, now I've got this visual of how it all went down. Um, that's awesome. So how did you get the deer out of the, the field? Uh, went and got the truck and brought it over. And, um, I got my tags out and, um, if I'm going to put in a tiny little story here right quick. Absolutely. That, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, I'll get to the other half of that in a second. Sure. But I went to, uh, hunting extravaganza back in August here. Oh, sorry. My mom's, that's okay. uh, this part, I guess. <laughs> sorry. No, yeah, don't, 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 uh, don't worry about it. This is, that's why we record the stuff and I edit later. Exactly. Her grandfather clock is going off. Um, anyway. Okay. Um, I went to a hunting and fishing extravaganza back in August, and I went around and looked at all the stuff. They had some booths set up, and I registered for some drawings and bought some tickets to for the raffles that they were giving away guns and bows and all kinds of stuff. And at the end, I was fixing to leave, and I walked around, and there was this taxidermist there, and he had these little plastic uh, tag holders, like when you kill a deer, you put it in there, and it keeps blood and water or whatever from getting on it. Yep. And it had like a little bread tie with it, and you put your tag in there and close it, and then you bread tie it around. On your, your antlers. Anyway, I picked up one of those and it was in my truck. So that's what I was like. I, I went and got that out and it had one of his business cards in there, tire taxidermy. 
And I used that, stuck my uh, tag, filled out my tag, put my tag in there. She and I loaded it up, picked him up, which my truck has like a six-inch lift kit on it. <laughs> so yep. lifting him up and putting him in the back of a truck, it was pretty tough. I don't know exactly what he weighed. He was at least 150. And um, But we got him up in there. It was pretty good. And uh, we loaded him up and headed back to the the camp where we were originally, you know, the big hunting camp. So Gotcha. Uh, where do you think that deer came from? Do you think it was just uh, cruising through, not quite knowing? You said you didn't think it was from that area necessarily. <laughs> well, right. That's what I, was, I got. We got back to camp, and uh, we were one of the first ones back, and um, we hung out there for a few minutes. Her dad came back, her uncle came back, and, you know, a few other people came back, and they were like, oh, wow, that's awesome deer. And they all looked at him, and they're like, you know, we've been hunting out here like crazy and for years, and he said, we have never seen this deer, you know, because you know how you'll see a deer year to year? Right. And, or, you know, if you're scouting or whatever, and all of them were like, we have never seen this deer out here. So we don't, that's what made me think he was either passing through, but it wasn't like he was, chasing a doe that brought him from another county away or something. So I don't know. Or, or he had just mm. been uh, in those deep woods and had never come out, you know, to the hay meadow where they had seen him. So, Is it possible that he got pushed out uh, at some other location from other hunters or things like that? Or it's how- very, very, very possible. Because okay. um, west of me, where like I was sitting in my stand and then the pasture and then the wood lines and where he was, on farther west of that, probably another 10 miles, there's a Natchez River, which is a big river that runs through here. And there's a lot of hunting leases. And I mean, it's river bottom, great big hunting land and um, several hunters out through there. So it's very possible one of them could have pushed him from another area between us and the Natchez River. Gotcha. Okay. So it's possible. Now, what is, uh, what is the camp like? Tell us about the camp. The camp is the coolest camp I've ever seen. Um <laughs> It, it really is. It, it started out with just this tiny little, I think the guy said like an eight by eight little bitty room that they made. And um, then it grew into like a 20 by 20. And then they added like a roll up door out back and built another room onto it and put a wood stove in there <clears throat> and about 10 beds and like little cots and twin size beds in there. And this camp would hold probably, I think they said 16 people. And, um, and so they have Thanksgiving out there every year and have the whole family and kids and everybody out there, grandma and everything. So they have running water. Well, not running water. They have a big uh, barrel, like a 55 gallon barrel that it rains in. And then they have this, uh, plumbing, like a two inch PVC pipe that runs down into the kitchen. They have a, they have two stoves in there and, uh, uh, propane out there. And, but it's, it's pretty primitive. It sounds like it's not, but, uh, they don't have like electricity. They have generators and stuff. So, um, so they, the stoves are electric and they just run off a generator. But gotcha. they cook big meals and everything. They have a sink and cabinet, kitchen cabinets like they would find at salvage places. And then in the center of this, they had another bathroom with, like I said, that kind of running water, you know, from the deal that would, where you could flush a toilet. So it was pretty neat. And, um, uh, but the highlight of the camp, they had this huge, like pot belly stove right in the center, uh, like the gathering area, and the pipe ran up through the ceiling, and and so you, and it was uh, like a screened in porch type deal, yeah. so you could get in out of the weather, or mosquitoes during the summer or whatever. So uh, it's a year round camp that they go out there because it's close to the Natchez River where the um, where they camp and fish and all of that. So, <laughs> but yeah, the highlight was the pot, big pot belly stove that you know everybody stands around and tell stories. <laughs> 
Right. Oh, that's <laughs> so, the best. Yeah, it was it was a very awesome um, camp, and they also had this bar that was like mm, I'm guessing you know kind of waist high, a little bit higher in waist high, and some bar stools around it, three or four bar stools, and they had these cedar posts that they that went from the sides of it up to the ceiling, and it was like rough cut cedar. And it was just, whoever made this place, it was just ingenious. And like some of the smaller bucks they had yelled down there, they had just the racks hanging up everywhere. Or they had a few like European mounts, you know, the smaller ones that they just did themselves, not professionally European mounted, uh, just scattered all around the camp. And it was just awesome, awesome deer leaf. They called it Skeeter Hill, like mosquito. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> it's Skeeter Hill. So Skeeter Hill. it's a pretty awesome place. Yeah, Skeeter yeah. Hill. Sounds like a magical place. Absolutely. Yeah, it was. it's a thousand acre leaf. Okay. So they had they have a thousand acres down there that they hunt on, and I was kind of down the road on this other little piece, um, a forty acre the hay meadow deal. So, but all of that where they are a pine uh, pine plantation. Gotcha. Pine, and you were yeah. invited to hunt on this property by the the lease owner, right? Wow, that's cool. And how, how did you bump into them? Uh, they're actually friends of mine. They live in Jacksonville, probably about 20 miles from here. Okay. And like I said, the daughter and I were friends and they're like, well, come on out and have Thanksgiving with us. And, um, you know, you can stay the weekend. We're just going to hunt and hang out and eat and blah, blah, blah. So, um, like, okay, cool. So <laughs> I took advantage of it and, and it worked out really well. As you said, it's pretty good Black Friday, isn't it? Yeah, right. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Now, how about processing the deer? Did you, did you have it sent off to be done or do you do it at the, the camp? We cut it up there and uh, quartered it and, well, okay, I got back there. We hung him up there and uh, they had a scale and they somewhat weighed him, but it only went up to 150 pounds. So that's what I said. I knew it weighed at least 150 pounds. Yep. And um, he doesn't look that big there, but I, I don't know. I mean, from that, that front shot, you don't see it, but his body, he was, he was pretty big. But anyway, um, I, I did the first skin cut and I did most of the skin in myself and, um, uh, got him down to where, where I was gonna, I knew I was gonna mount him, so, uh, I got down and, uh, like behind his back legs, I cut down and around his legs, and we peeled it all the way back and went all the way up to probably the second vertebrae from his skull, and then we cut it off there and just left all of the skin intact back behind his front legs. So, gotcha. um, then we, we cut it, quartered up all the meat and took the back straps out, and, um, Put it on ice, and it was pretty cold that night. It dropped down to the, I think, like 28, 29. So um, we just left it in coolers with ice outside. We knew it was going to be okay. So, right, right. Nice. Um, you had some good yeah. temperatures coming in that night. Right, so you could... exactly. Now, yeah, you, so it worked out. Did you get to, you ended up um, cutting up the deer right away, it sounded like. Um, right, yeah. Not a not a multi-day hanging event. This is. Oh, no, no. Okay, gotcha. Um, the temperatures don't sound like they're conducive to letting a deer hang for very long in that part of the no, country that no time of yeah year. Okay. yeah exactly yeah we're used to doing it right then I mean we we gut and usually gut pretty usually feel gutted but I knew I was just like a couple of miles from the um, cabin so yep. I was like, oh, just getting back there and do it there and we were back there within you know 15 minutes 10 15 minutes so gotcha. uh, and it was and it was had already dropped down in the 40s by the end so I knew we were okay gotcha and uh, how was the meat how was the, the oh, flavor excellent I, I sent him to actually uh, cut the back strap up and we cut it in steaks and had it flavor, I mean, a uh, vacuum pack mm-hmm. and, and like four steaks in each vacuum pack. So that was awesome. And then I sent it to some friends of mine, um, <clears throat> Jim and Debbie Terry, they're friends of mine in Jacksonville and they process all their own meat and make, uh, summer sausage and breakfast sausage. They add like a pork fat back into the breakfast sausage and, um, of course season it and everything. But the, 
uh, summer sausage they made was incredible. Uh, he asked me if I wanted jalapeno, and I was like, yes, absolutely. So nice. he put some jalapeno and cheese in there, and it was the best summer sausage. And I brought some back to my family, my mom and her sisters, and all three of them don't eat deer meat. They're like, they're not anti-hunters, but they're like not adventurous eaters. <laughs> so yeah, I, know, I, tried, I know the I kind. Tried, I know the kind. Yeah, I, I'm like tried tricking them into it. I, they're like, no, that's deer meat. And I said, no, it's not. Try it. Try it. Try it. And my aunt actually tried it. She goes, oh, my gosh, that's really good. And I didn't ever tell her that it was deer meat, though. <laughs> right. Gotcha. But, uh, but yeah, that turned out really good. So um, the flavor was incredible. It didn't have that wild taste. And um, one thing they did do when I gave the, the meat to uh, Debbie and Jim, which I thought this was pretty cool, and I haven't seen this done, and he said that this helps with any wild flavor, is that they, um, they put it on ice in a cooler, and then they just open the bottom drain out, like leave the plug out and let it melt down and they add ice to it for like three days three or four days hmm. and let the blood drain out you know as the, the ice melts the water kind of rinses through of the meat mm-hmm. and drains out the deal they said that they always do that with at least three or four days and um so i was like i, I didn't ever know that i thought that was pretty cool so <laughs> that helps with the flavor of the, you know some people don't like that wild taste right. that some deer have so yeah. we uh we do um, plan to do, to do a future show on uh to speak with a venison chef and to learn uh-huh. more about how how to tackle things like that well like what things work what things don't um and and uh really get into that in depth um, but it sounds like they have a, a, a trick for it down mm-hmm. in Texas. That's cool. Um, yeah. What do, What were the deer foraging on? Um, what the, is it? Is it, is it corn, soybeans, grass, mm-hmm. acorns? What are they What are they feeding on? We don't have any soybeans around here. Um, mostly acorns, usually. But this year we had no acorns. I don't know. We had a lot of rain this year, but I guess we just didn't have it a right, at the right time. So there's no pecans this year, and there's no acorns this year. So um, eaters. I mean, everybody's filling up deer with deer corn or okay. corn yep. with their all their feeders, and they were emptying feeders out in no time. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, we had to, you know, a lot of people would put it, you know, on timers, but um, I mean, they were they were gone. But there was um, not much. Like I said, there was not much. So I guess they were just foraging on grass and whatever they could find this year. Because gotcha. like I said, there was no no acorns this year. But usually that's what they love. That's their favorite around here. Okay. So no distinct mass crop this year in your area. No. Gotcha. No. Awesome. Um, and that's uh, this has been a great time, Bonnie. I appreciate you taking some some minutes out of your day to speak with us about your hunt <laughs> and kind of fill us in on what the hunt's like down there in Texas. Um, yeah. Well, I have other... one more story. Absolutely. Gonna, yeah. I, I want to add this one little part. This comes back to the part where I was talking about the little plastic tag holder. Yep. When we got back, when I got back to the deer lease and we had got him all, uh, it was probably about 530 when we got him scanned and everything. And I got, went and got a, that business card and I called the number to see if they were still open because I was about 20 minutes from Palestine where the taxidermist was. And I was like, I'll just take this down there now because I don't have a freezer big enough to put him in. I don't have like a big chest freezer or anything. So um, I said, I'll see if they're open. Well, they weren't open. So I'm like, oh, i got to find somewhere to put him for the rest of the weekend until Monday. With it being a holiday weekend, he's not going to be open until Monday. And um, so I put it in a friend of mine, that one of the guys there, he asked his brother, do you have room in your freezer? Absolutely. Bring it over. So they took it over the next day and put it in his freezer until Tuesday. I went to the brothers and got it out of the freezer, and I went down to Palestine to this taxidermist. And I went in there and I told him what I had and 
um, I said, I've got a uh, big buck. And he said, well, how'd you hear about us? And I said, I saw y'all at the uh, Hunter's Extravaganza back in August. He goes, oh, that's cool. Awesome. And so we start talking, and he's asking me what kind of mount I want and position and everything. And he said, well, there's a new kind of position I'm doing. Come back here and look. And he took me back in the back where he does all of his work in the tax service deal. And my heart stopped. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is the coolest thing ever. I've always admired taxidermy, and I've always thought it's really cool and beautiful, and I love what they do with animals. <laughs> I've been a nurse for 20 years, been surgery, um, all of that stuff. So none of, the, none of that stuff grosses me out or anything. So I'm thinking, this is so cool. So I'm sitting there talking to him and asking him questions. This was like 2 o'clock when I got there. At 5 o'clock, I'm still there hanging out talking to him. And there's another guy that works with him. His name's Michael. And he was around this little half wall doing something. And I was like, well, what's he doing? And he goes, I don't know. Go around there and see. So I went back there and I introduced myself and we started talking and he was skinning a deer. And I was like, oh, that is so cool. Blah, blah, blah. So I hung out with him the rest of the day till five o'clock. And I was like, this is amazing. I was like, I want to do this. I want to do taxidermy. And he's like, really? And I said, yes, this is awesome. He's like, this doesn't gross you out. I'm like, no, this is awesome. This is so cool. So he said, come back, or he said, I said, can I come back tomorrow and hang out and watch y'all? And he said, I guess, if you want to. So I went back the next day, and um, I watched him skin out a deer all the way down to, you know, getting the cape off around the horns and how they cut everything. And I was like, that is so cool. He said, do you want to do one? And I said, absolutely. I said, heck yeah. So he said, okay, we'll let you do your deer, and if you mess it up, <laughs> you know, right. you can't do another client's deer, but we'll let you do your deer, and I'll walk you through it. And I said, Awesome. So we we hung up my deer and he taught me how to skin it. And I skinned my own deer all the way down to the head and um, cut his horns off and everything. So that was pretty cool. And out from that moment on, I was hooked. I was like, I want to do this. I went home that night and I was like, I prayed about it. And I said, I actually quit nursing about five months ago, four or five months ago. And I'm like, I'm so burnt out on nursing. I just, I'm tired of our healthcare system, the way it's going. I just, we can't be nurses like we were 20 years ago, and I just don't like this. So I'm taking another career path for the last four months, and I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I was like, dental assisting, uh, blah, blah, blah. You know, I thought a million things, nothing sounded good. Never even thought about taxidermy. So that night I got home, I'm looking up taxidermy school, and I told my mom, I was like, I'm going to taxidermy school. (laughs) So (laughs) I was like, that was a, this deer has been like a whole life-changing event for me. So, um, I went back and the next day and hung out with them and have been there ever since, hanging out with them and learned how to um, do European mounts. He's let me skin out a bobcat and a fox and I've done all kinds of deer and everything. Now I learned how to, what they call lip and ears, where you prepare the hide for tanning. And he taught me how to salt and do all of that stuff. So I'm learning all the taxidermy aspects of it now. So, um, like I said, this was a, that deer was a life changing thing because I would have never even thought taxidermy. And so it was just really cool. That's cool. Once you hone your craft, we'll have to have you back on the show to tell us some of (laughs) the tips and tricks that you can do at home. Oh, that would be awesome. That'd be great. Um, awesome. Any, uh, any parting thoughts, Bonnie, before we head out? Um, just want to thank y'all very much for the interview. I enjoyed it. Um, um, talk, I could talk about deer hunting for hours with anybody <laughs> or any kind of hunting really. And, awesome. and just outdoors, fishing, anything. I just, I just love it. And I want to give a shout out to all of the country girls. I, I mean, a lot of, I've gotten a lot of girl power things, you know, right, girls right. are like, you go girl and stuff like that. So, 
just give a shout out to all the country girls that hunt and encourage women to get more into hunting and take your kids hunting. Um, those, like I said, those are the best memories I have was growing up either rodeoing or, or hunting with my dad and or fishing and, um, versus being in a mall or sitting watching TV. People are like, did you watch, uh, you know, some TV show when you were little? I was like, nope. I was outside either on my horse or on a dirt bike, one or the other. I, right. I never did. I didn't grow up watching TV. So, um, yep. I watched, so yeah, uh, I, when I was a kid, I watched Tarzan on Thursday nights with a TV dinner. And then I also <laughs> watched Super Friends on Saturday morning and that was it. <laughs> rest, <laughs> that was it. Rest yeah. of the time I was in the woods. I do remember coming home early on Saturday nights to watch wrestling, uh, like point. when wrestling was really big back in when the Von Erichs and all of them were in there. Yeah, I remember yep. I'd come home and I was like, I got to go home. Wrestling's coming on. So I would go home and watch wrestling. So, mm-hmm. Chief J. Uh, Strongbow yeah, and Greg Valentine and all those guys. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That That's awesome. true, but yeah, but I just encourage families to get out and hunt and love to see kids hunting. A friend of mine, Todd, his daughter, uh, Becca just killed her first year with a crossbow this year. It was her first year to hunt with a bow. She's had a bow for uh, a year and a half now, but you know, her poundage wasn't high enough to hunt with, so he bought her a cross. She is excellent shot with her crossbow, but it only goes up to like 25 pounds, I think. So, uh, he got her that crossbow and she got a nice eight point. He's bigger than mine. And I was like, wow, that's just crazy. So, um, I just encouraged him and other parents to take their kids hunting. I think it's an awesome thing. I couldn't agree more. That's one of the best messages. And I think hunting is uh, getting more and more overlooked as a, as a pastime. And we're kind of forgetting about the, the strengths of it. And I, I encourage more and more people to get out there and do it. And it's, it's a huge part of the economy. It's, uh, it's, it's good for the psyche and it's good for, uh, bonding and, and, uh, solidifying families and things like that. So, I agree. Totally agree with you, hundred percent. Yeah, and and it keeps it gives kids uh, and people, not just kids, it gives people uh, things to look forward to. You know, like oh, I can't go to the bar tonight because I got to get up at four thirty. I got to be in the sand. <laughs> you know, so uh, there's some friends that are like that that you know quit drinking because they're like dear dear season. It's like you got to get up early, and mm-hmm. so I think that's a cool thing. And uh, but kids, you know, give them something to do like that versus being in a mall or on the computer getting into trouble with stuff nowadays and. Um, so I just think it's an awesome thing. Yeah, skip the video games for a couple of days and take your kids out in the woods. Exactly. Yeah. Totally agree. Yep, totally agree too. Uh, Bonnie, this has been great. I love your energy. I love your spunk. Um, I think you, you, you're on the right track. And uh, thanks Thank for sharing you. your, your picture on the Big Buck Registry. And thanks for being yes, on the Big Buck Podcast. This has been fantastic. Awesome. Thank you very much, Jay. I appreciate it. And I'd like to talk to you anytime. All right, we'll be in touch. Thank you, Bonnie. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, take care. Bye-bye. So that was Bonnie Cook from Texas. That was pretty cool. You know, Jay, uh, family, family values there that talking about her daddy and, and how she grew up and what she's got going on in her life. You know, that, that means a ton in, in, in the hunting industry, you know, family, good roots bring in good hunting. Absolutely. And, and that was a common theme with Matt. And it's a very common theme, uh, for everybody that we seem to talk to that it has a passion for the outdoors. There's always some other figure in their life that taught them how to appreciate and enjoy the outdoors and then to share it with, others down the road so that's uh that's awesome yeah for sure uh, we really enjoyed you joining in and uh you know keep on pushing them roots deeper into the ground that's what unique about the big book Registry, big book podcast we we get into some detail on where a hunter comes from you know and that's something i enjoy talking about and i hope you everybody that listens to us too also it, we get down deep into their background 
and yep. we bring out what got them to the point that they're at today. Yep. Week in, week out, we want to know how you got to where you are today and why your passion is so deep for hunting. And that's that's like that's what we're trying to expose here on the Big Buck Registry because it's important. Um, all right, man. I think that's a wrap. For sure. Great podcast. And uh, I look forward to next week. Me too. I think it's going to be awesome. So uh, where can we reach out to you, Dusty? www.facebook.com forward slash chubby tines outdoors. Awesome. And if you would like to touch base with us on the Big Buck Registry, uh, we have a few different spots you can check. Number one, you can go to our website. It's www.bigbuckregistry.com. You can check us out on Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash Big Buck Registry. Our Twitter handle is big buck registry uh you can give us a call at 724-613-2825 you can text in a message from there you can text in a picture from there you can also call us and tell us your story about the deer that you've harvested if you if you're up for that um if you'd like to do a share for share go ahead and post it on facebook and uh be forewarned though we may ask you to be on the big buck podcast as well um and i think that's about it and of course if you're listening to the podcast push that button share it if you're on stitcher share do use the share button send it out to your email database of all your friends that like hunting or send it out to your facebook page or send it out to your twitter account or text it to your best bud that you like to hunt with or if you're on itunes same thing share away because we want to expose our show to everybody that enjoys hunting because we would like to have them on our show too and we're not going to know who they are unless you share the show did i sum that up all right you summed that up perfect awesome sounds good man i'm your co-host dusty phillips and this is jay scott we'll see you next week can't wait can't wait